Those plans for our lives may often come across as intimidating. God has our best in mind. And for us to discover that best end that we always talk about in the Discover Your Destiny, that destiny that we, we are longing for in, all, in for, in order for us to discover that, it starts with obedience. A willingness to obey both the simple commands of God and the difficult task that He has for us. Let's all turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is our text passage for tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. And may I ask you all to stand with me as we read the first three verses of this chapter. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. And let's read this, these three verses out loud together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You may now be seated. A couple weeks back, my sister and, and my brother-in-law had the joy of having their first child. and They named the little guy Franco. And I was able to visit Franco just two days after his birth while he was still in the incubator. Now, I remember walking up to Franco to say hi to the guy. And I was astonished by how small Franco was in size. I mean, he was a premature baby, so he was already small that way. He was born two months earlier than expected, so it made sense that he was that size. But I had never seen a baby that small before. So I was fascinated, and so I remember seeing him. I remember I brought up my forearm to the incubator. You know, that's my measuring stick, my forearm. I measured it against Franco, and I was amazed that this little kid was shorter, was thinner than my forearm. That you can place him on anybody's forearm and he would probably be still smaller than, than your forearm. He was tiny, tiny, tiny. And as I stared and, and looked at Franco, it's like it finally dawned on me and truly showed me how precious new life is. Now, I've always believed that. I've always been against abortion, like Pastor White said earlier. But it takes you to like a moment for you to realize how precious life is. And for me, there was that moment, seeing a, a baby, a premature baby. Even now, while I interact with him at home, I get constantly reminded of how beautiful the gift of life is. You're carrying this little guy, the little smirks that he makes. You know, sometimes he raises his hand. Sometimes he wears these gloves, and it looks like a boxing gloves. So I always walk up to him and say, you want to box? And he's the cutest little guy ever, and I love him. And right in front of me, right in front of my family is this baby, smaller than my forearm, who has his entire life ahead of him. By the time he's 20 years old, I'll be 44 years old. Oh, <laughs> that's a crazy thought. In the next few years, this little guy will learn how to walk. Awkwardly at first, but soon enough he'll be running and causing trouble. He'll learn how to talk. He'll learn how to read. He'll learn how to write for himself. He'll learn how to feed himself. I, I didn't learn how to feed myself until I was six years old. Because we had a, we had a maid, and, she, and, and I just refused to use my own hands. I felt like royalty. So I, I was always spoon-fed all the time until we got to Canada. We didn't have a maid anymore. But I'm pretty sure Franco will learn to feed himself earlier than I did. He'll learn how to use the washroom on his own. 
He learned how to brush his teeth. <laughs> he will, <laughs> some of you were laughing there. He will learn and experience all sorts of new things in the next few years. And it's exciting stuff, more, so, more important mostly for the parents, but also for the uncles, for the grandmothers, the grandfathers. However, one of the hardest things that Franco will need to learn is how to be a good son. Being good does not come naturally to children. In Psalm 58 verse 3, it says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. So no matter how cute they are, they're not necessarily good. Out of the womb, they've already inherited the sin nature. It's not natural for them to act properly. What does come naturally for children is disobedience, selfishness, temper tantrums. How to properly behave is something that needs to be taught, and it's not something that you just do when you're born, when you live. It will take time for them to understand why we do certain things. They'll have to learn these things. But if they're never taught, they'll never behave right either. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. No child is perfect. All of us have been the cause of our parents' headaches at one point in our lives. However, what I think is important is for us to try to improve day by day. Being a better son, being a better daughter, requires consistent intentional effort every single day. It's so easy for us to take our parents for granted. And again, this is for our children, for even those grown-up adults who still have their parents. And it's so easy to take our parents for granted. A lot of children, they only fully appreciate the depths of their, their father and mother's love only when they become parents themselves or only after their parents pass away. That's when they realize how precious and valuable their parents were to them. Today, we sought to honor and show appreciation to all the fathers in the church have sacrificed much of their free time, sacrificed their well-bodies and well-being, they sacrificed their mental sanity, and took great risks in order to raise us children up. I have a lot of stories I could say about my father, and each person in this room probably has a lot of stories to say about their father, about the sacrifices your father had to make. At this point in my life, I can't preach a message on how to be a good father to your children. That will be inappropriate and beyond my realm. But I do want to teach on this subject of how to be a godlier son or daughter. These are all principles that we can observe from Jesus Christ, the only perfect child that has ever lived on this earth. These are not principles that I perfected by all means, but I am doing my best to improve in these areas. Now, the sermon is not just for young people. I mean, it's immediately applicable to the young people, the children. But it applies to everyone as well. Because the same principles that we use to be a better godly son or daughter to our earthly parents is the exact same principles that we need in order to please our Heavenly Father up above. So before we get into these two areas of study, let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank the Lord for today. Thankful for the blessing of the morning service for 202 that were in attendance. And you blessed us and answered our prayer. I pray, Lord, for tonight that you just continue to bless our service. Bless my message, Lord. Help me to preach this, the word that you've placed on my heart. Help it to 
be of use to someone, maybe a, a teenager, maybe to a child, a young adult, whoever it may be, I pray that you would use uh, the message you've given me to touch someone's heart today. And I pray that you give everyone understanding of the things that will be covered. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So again, nothing covered tonight will be groundbreaking or new. In fact, a lot of these principles, we've been taught them since we were just little children. But we need to be always reminded of these things, because at the end of the day, are we perfect? And the answer to that is no, we are not perfect yet. So if we're not perfect yet, that means there is, there is still room for improvement. We can take this opportunity to grow. If you look at with me in the text passage here, Ephesians 6.1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. First point, very simply, a godly child obeys his parents' instructions. Our text passage starts off with this relatively simple command. Nothing complicated here. Just obey, just listen to your parents' instructions. Why? Because it is right. Now, in all stages of our life, we find ourselves struggling with this act of obedience. Starting from when we are very young toddlers, when we're young toddlers, we don't understand reason. We don't understand, we don't have critical thinking. We're incapable of understanding why we shouldn't do certain things. As toddlers, we just do what we want to do. If we want to play with that toy, even if it's not ours, we, 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 we grab it. We do things that are not, even if it's forbidden from us, we do it anyways because we don't care about reason as little toddlers. When we don't get what we want, we cause all sorts of headaches. We cry, we scream, we break down, we, we just throw tantrums. And sometimes I see, when I used to transit a lot, there would be um, mothers who would go to the priority seating in the bus and their, their kid starts crying, starts crying. And, and the, whole, the, whole, uh, the whole bus is just, you know, some of them are just covering their ears. But the parents, I feel bad for them because they don't know how to stop a baby from crying. Because sometimes, no matter how you try to explain it to a kid, they're not going to understand. They'll just continue to cry, continue to scream. As toddlers, we struggle with obedience. Fast forward a couple of years, as children, we discover a parent's favorite word. The word, Why? Why? As children, now, whenever our parents tell us to do something, we follow up with, why? Why? When a new rule gets instilled into our house, we ask, why? Why is there a curfew now? Why can I go with this friend now? Why, why, why? When something gets taken away from us, we ask, why? I needed that. That was my item. Well, technically it's not yours because your parents bought it, ultimately. But we ask why. Now, there are obviously some instances in which we ask why out of curiosity, out of, in, from an innocent perspective. But most children know this, that we ask why most of the time because we are, act, we are defying our parents' orders. That's why we're asking why. Young children struggle with obedience. A couple years pass by and we all enter the stage in which all of us probably cause the greatest headaches to our parents, the teenage years. Now, there are always exceptions, but I believe that many teens think that they are smarter, that they are greater, they are stronger, that they are better than they really are. They think they're more special than they really are. 
to the point in which they start to genuinely believe that they know more than their parents. And this is uh, from various reasons. I think part of it is because it's, it's when you're a teenager that you experience the most growth. Some, uh, they, they just get super tall, and now they're literally physically towering over their parents. And some people, some sons, they think that, oh, now I'm, I'm superior to my dad. I, have, I literally can look over him now. Another reason why is because it's when in our teenage years that we go into high school and we learn more complicated stuff, learn more complicated topics. And because we think we're so educated now, we think we know more than our parents. So most teenagers believe that they're more special than they really are. They believe that they're greater than their parents. And this results in rebellion, disobedience towards the commands of the parents. A couple more years pass as young adults. Our struggle with complete obedience carries on. Now that we are also classified as adults in society, we seek to be even more independent. And in that pursuit for independence, a lot of children cut ties with their parents. I don't need them anymore. I'm I'm an adult myself. I don't need you anymore. Complete obedience to our parents is an area in which we will struggle with constantly as children. Let's not forget that the fall of man, let's not forget that the sin nature that we all inherited (coughs) was due to the disobedience of one man. The first sin ever that we see from that humanity has done is disobedience. Romans 5.19 for us, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Even Adam and Eve, the first humans on this world, struggled with complete obedience. And guess what? They only had one rule to follow. Don't eat of that fruit. They only had one rule to follow and yet they still broke it. So with us who have much more rules to follow, it's no surprise that the obedience will be a struggle for us. To the kids, teenagers, and young adults that, and whoever else this may apply to, I encourage you to do your best to obey your parents. Their advice may not always make sense in the present, but they have your best in mind when they tell you to do something. More importantly, and for me this is quite difficult, and for the children here it might be difficult as well, but we are called to obey even when we don't understand the reasoning. Because that is what true biblical obedience is like. Let's not underestimate and undervalue the instructions of our parents. Because someday, going forward, they're going to be valuable to us. In Proverbs 1, 8-9, it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. It says, they shall be an ornament of grace, and chains about our neck. Now, in today's society, many young men, uh, specifically music artists, specifically uh, professional athletes, they wear these very expensive chains, right? And some do this for fashion reasons, but a lot of, a lot of athletes and artists do this to show off their incredible wealth. They wear these big gold chains. There's even one artist, I believe, he, he spent $1.5 million on his chain. And the chain is basically just a self-portrait of him. It's crazy. But he spent $1.5 million on, 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 on this piece of jewelry. 
And so in today's society, chains are something that, you know, it shows off your wealth. It shows that you are well off. These ornaments and gold chains that Solomon speaks of are also apparels of beauty and nobility in the Bible. Items that were befitting for a king and other important political figures. When Joseph was promoted, he was given a gold chain. When Daniel reached a certain status, he was also given a gold chain. So it was given to very special people. These garlands and these gold chains were not just given to anybody. They were expensive and reserved for people of great importance. Many of us can't afford such costly apparel. But the Bible says that we can adorn something that is of equal or greater value than those gold chains and those precious garlands. And what is that thing that we can adorn? That is our parents' instructions. The wise instructions of our parents will be of great value to us as we go through life. As one writer says, children who grow up with and listen to wise parents will eventually see the wisdom they were given as more valuable than anything this world has to offer. In time and with age, the person who possesses the wisdom of their mother and father will cherish their instruction just as one would cherish garlands and gold. Now, growing up in a, in a great household, it's easy for me to take my parents for granted. I think that the more, comfort you, like the more comfortable life you live, the more you become complacent, and the more you don't appreciate the things that you should appreciate. <coughs> and to my shame, I have. I have taken my parents for granted. I take for granted all the things that they've done for me. They took care of me. Everybody knows that I'm quite sickly. I get sick like every other week. Especially when I was a child in the Philippines. I was hospitalized for months. And I still have core memories of of me being in the Philippines and my parents always visiting me. My dad coming to the hospital room, playing this motocross game with me, taking and walking with me to 7-Eleven. I still have those core memories of my dad. They worked hard in the States to provide for me. They've given me so much practical advice in life. And I've taken it for granted. It's only when I see and hear the testimony of others who don't have a father or who don't have a mother that I remember how blessed I am. I'm thankful even for the constructive criticism my parents give me when it comes to my character, when it comes to my actions. Because there's not a single person in this world who knows you more except for God besides your parents, especially if you still live with them. They know your little quirks. They know the the areas you struggle with. Even if I present myself in a certain way in public, my parents know the things that I struggle with. And so they give me feedback on my character, on my actions. And obviously, at the time that I receive this feedback, I'm not all smiles. I'm not happy to receive the feedback. Matter of fact, a lot of times I'm in defiance to the feedback. I'm protecting myself. I'm saying, no, that's not true. And I I fight back against the feedback, but eventually, I take it to heart and use that feedback in order to improve. The reason why I'm so aware of my personal weaknesses is because my parents have shown me my weaknesses. I'm not a perfect man, and the reason why they want to give me feedback and criticism is because they want me to succeed as a pastor. They want me to succeed in this, in this path that I've followed, that I'm, I'm, I'm going towards. And there are certain things I need, to get, I need to get rid of. And so they give me feedback. 
Now, the amount of young men and young women who wish they had parents who cared for how they acted is astronomical. There's so many people in, a Jew, in, in, in prison that wish they had a parent who told them that these friends were bad for you. They wish that they had a, 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 a mother or a father who told them, don't sell drugs. Don't get involved in gangs. The amount of young men and young people in this world who wish they had a parent who cared for their actions, astronomical. So many of the troubled youth today are, come from apathetic parents. Parents that didn't care for what their children did. Parents that don't care about what their kids are up to. I'm thankful for my parents for helping me be a better man. And I'm blessed beyond all measure that I can be advised by them because it's the things that I can take forward with me when I grow up and I move out. Young people value and obey the instructions of your parents. God gave them to you for a reason. They may not be perfect in character. I think that's the reason why sometimes we're not so thankful is because we criticize our parents. We look at some of their shortcomings as in, their, in their character and say, oh, I wish God would have given me a perfect parent. But that's not fair. Are you a perfect son? Are you a perfect daughter? No, you're not. So why are you expecting perfection from your parents who is also struggling with their, their sin nature? Be thankful for your parents. The, added, the attribute you need in order to better obey your parents is humility. Let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Jesus Christ, again, is the only one who was able to completely obey his father. In Philippians 2 verse 8, it says, And being found in fashion as a man... He humbled himself and became, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It says that Jesus humbled himself. If you look at the bulk of that chapter, chapter 2, it emphasizes Jesus' great humility. This humility that Christ possessed was what allowed him to obey the Father. Obey the Father even if it meant for him to go towards his death. Imagine, again, this is a very unlikely scenario. Imagine your father telling you that your, his plan for your life is for you to go into your, to, to, towards your death. A lot of us will probably try to fight against that order, fight against that command. But Jesus Christ in his humility trusted the Father and went towards his death. He humbled himself. He knew that his father had sent him on earth to die and pay for the sins of all mankind. He knew that he had to die in order for his father's will to be done. Now, just because Jesus knew what had to be done doesn't mean it was easy for him to just accept. Why do you think Jesus agonized? Why do you think Jesus shed tears of uh, a sweat of blood in, in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was agonizing over his father's will. This was not an easy thing for him to just do. In Luke 22, 42, he says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus was afraid. He didn't want to experience the, suf to experience the suffering and unimaginable pain that he would have to go through the next morning. The lashing, the mockery, just the, 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 the excruciating pain of being crucified. He didn't want to go towards that. I, he didn't want to go towards that. 
He prayed that the Father would remove this bitter cup from him. But nevertheless, he ends his prayer with a powerful phrase for each of us to echo. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And a truly humble person is the only one who can say such a phrase. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. How can we better obey our parents? Do what Jesus did. Be humble. Submit to them. Everything I've set up to this point not only applies with our relationship with our our earthly father, our earthly parents, but this applies to our heavenly father as well. In teen class, we've been going through a series called Discover Your Destiny. It's a curriculum that focuses on God's will for the lives of the teenagers. And in God's plan for our lives sometimes, He will lead us to do something incredibly difficult. He will lead us into a path that is outside of our comfort zone. We'll find ourselves in situations where our faith is greatly tested and find it difficult to obey the Lord, to obey the Lord's will, to obey our Father's will. And during these trials where we're tested, where our willingness to obey is tested, we ought to remember those powerful words from Jesus, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Those are hard words to say, to sincerely say. If God told you to drop everything you're doing and go into full-time ministry at this point in your life, how easy would that be for you? You may act in defiance from that command, but we ought to copy the example of Jesus. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Though his plans for our lives may often come across as intimidating, God has our best in mind. And for us to discover that best end that we always talk about in the Discover Your Destiny, that destiny that we, we are longing for in, all, in for, in order for us to discover that, it starts with obedience. A willingness to obey both the simple commands of God and the difficult task that He has for us. Point number two, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. I only have two points tonight. So the first is a godly child obeys his father's instructions. In Ephesians 2, we have, it says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Point number two, a godly child honors his parents. Out of the 12 commandments, the the commandment of honoring our parents is the first in which a promise was attached. And what is that promise? In Exodus 20, 12, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land, which thy Lord, thy God, giveth thee. Ephesians 6, 3 takes that promise and applies it for all Christians generally. It says in Ephesians 6, 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now that's, that sounds like a great deal for all of the children. Honor your parents, and it will be well with you, and your days on earth will be long. What a great deal. Sign me up. This command of honoring our parents comes with an incredible incentive for us. God will cause your life to prosper if you honor your parents. Again, I can't speak for those who didn't have maybe the best parents. I love my parents and they have done nothing to make me love them less. But there are parents where, where there are children where their parents weren't Christian Maybe their parents didn't treat them right, and all sorts of things can happen. But nevertheless, that command to honor your parents is given to everyone. It doesn't say honor your parents as long as they were good parents to begin with. 
It doesn't say that at all. It says, honor your parents. And I think the reason why God places a promise with that commandment is because He knows that sometimes it is, for some people, it is difficult to honor their parents because of maybe how they were treated as a child. Now, how do we honor our parents? Yes, part of honoring our parents is obeying them. But there's other ways in which we can further show respect to our parents. Oxford Dictionary defines honoring as regarding with great respect or high esteem. Honoring our parents goes further than merely obeying their commands and instructions. These are some following ways in which we can honor our fathers and mothers. Number one, never talk ill of them behind their back. Speak well of them instead. No matter how terrible your parents may have been, don't take that an opportunity to degrade their character to your friends, to your coworkers. Never talk ill of them. Maybe you only have a few good memories with them. Well, then only speak, well, only speak of those memories. <laughs> Never talk ill of them behind your back. Number two, make life easier for them, even if only a little. Maybe you're a little kid, and the amount of, time, the amount of work that you can do, to, to the amount of ways you can help your parents is very limited. Still, do your best. Make life easier for them. As teenagers, we have strength. We have youth. Make life easier for them. Find a way in which you can make it easier on your parents. Number three, this is a way to honor your parents, is to talk to your parents regularly. Don't be strangers living under one roof. You just say, you just talk to your parents maybe once a week when you get into the car for church. It's the only time you talk to your parents. Talk to your parents more. My mom, she's, her best friend is my grandmother. She often calls my, my grandmother in the Philippines, and they talk for hours. Even though they are separated by a large amount of distance, my, my mom still talks to her, her, my grandmother regularly. It's a way to honor them, because it means, that you, it means that you remember them in your thoughts. Number four, verbal encouragement. Tell them that you love them. Some guys, it's just a very hard word for them to say is, I love you. To anybody but, you know, their significant other. They can't say, I love you to their dad, to another guy. But tell your parents that you love them. Another way is we can ask for their opinions and advice on life matters. That shows that you care about their wisdom. Another way we can honor them is to forgive them. Again, we don't have any perfect parents. Maybe they've hurt you in the past. Maybe there's something that they did to you that just, every time you think of it, you get angry. Maybe you get depressed. You, get, you become filled with sorrow. Forgive them. Because at the end of the day, they're also imperfect. Another way we can honor them is to overlook their shortcomings. No parent is perfect. Don't fault them for their weaknesses. Another way is to love your siblings. I know that that breaks a parent's heart is to see their parents seriously fighting, seriously having, you know, waging a war with one another. Love your siblings. It, it, it gives the parents peace of mind. And pray for them on a daily basis. Because we know that parenting is hard. And our parents need that prayer. There are so many more ways in which we can honor our parents. So there's no reason for us not to do so. 
In fact, the Bible has some grisly things to say to those who dishonor their parents, who do the opposite and do evil things behind their parents' back. It says in Proverbs 30, 17, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. Very grisly details. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. Matthew 15, 4, it says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. It seems God places a huge importance in children honoring their parents. Now, once again, we turn away from our earthly parents and towards God, because this command applies to our relationship with God as well. Being adopted into his family, we ought to treat God with all respect, with all reverence. This is evidenced by Jesus Christ's actions. In John 8, 29, this is what Jesus says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. For I do always those things that please him. Because Jesus respected and revered his heavenly Father, Jesus never did anything that would displease his Father. The way he acted behind the scenes, the way he ministered publicly, he did all of those things in a sinless, blameless fashion because he didn't want to displease his Father. He didn't break a single one of God's laws. He didn't break a single one of God's commands. And if we want to honor our Heavenly Father as well, let us do always those things that please Him. That's one way we can honor our Father, our Heavenly Father, is to do those things which please Him. This means getting our hearts right. This means serving Him faithfully. You can't honor the Father when your mind and your heart is somewhere else. Life is already quite difficult as it is. Just children, teens, young adults. Let's make it easier on our parents. The commands to obey and honor our parents are not anything new and eye-opening. They're simple commands from God. But as we finish up Father's Day, as children, we ought to continue obeying and honoring our father and our mother outside of their significant day. Be nice to them outside of Mother's Day. Be nice to them outside of Father's Day. Honor them and obey them every other day of the year. You know, tomorrow can look vastly different from today. You might not have the opportunity to honor and obey your parents anymore tomorrow. You'd never know what happens. You can never predict what the next day will have in store. The older we get, the more prone we are to diseases. Freak accidents can take place at all times. So don't leave, don't have any regrets. Because it's one of the biggest regrets that people have is they wish they loved their parents more. They wish they were able to spend time with their parents more, hug them more, talk to them more about just silly things even. Talking to your parents doesn't always have to be about serious matters. To all of us, I pray that we would also become better children of God.
to obey our Heavenly Father and to honor Him as well. Because as we learn to submit to our parents on earth, we will also learn to submit to our Heavenly Father up above. And as we learn to revere our Heavenly Father, the more likely we will be to respect our earthly parents. So let's all do our best to become godlier sons and daughters. Thank you. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.